he embodies the culture. And one thing that we all appreciate as human beings, because quite frankly, it's not something that you experience all the time is authenticity. And so when you see it, it's so striking. When you engage within it, it's so dynamic and impactful because it's it's unstoppable. Authenticity is unstoppable because authenticity is vulnerable. And his story's amazing. And and if you if you learn his story about everything he's overcome and the mistakes he's made and the triumph over those mistakes, then you you take this guy and and it, it, it takes him from man, this is a really endearing personality to man, I really admire that. everybody welcome to another edition of hey fighting podcast the official podcast of lsu football as always i am cody Worsham, digital media reporter for lsu athletics and i can't tell you how excited i am for today's show got the chance on wednesday to sit down with marty smith of espn who i have long admired from afar going back to his time on sports center doing stand-up hits i remember the first time i saw marty on sports center and i was like who who is this guy like he, he kind of sounds like some people that I know from around here, uh, really to me was the first taste of the South that, that that I saw on SportsCenter all the time. And watched Marty as he moved from NASCAR to to college game day and college football and always really appreciated the work that he did, the stories that he told, the effort that he took to get beyond the sports and to get to the root of, of who was playing the sports and coaching the sports and, and the humanity behind everything. So uh, also a big fan of the Levitard show. Marty's always on there. He's got a podcast on there, Marty Smith's America. And he's the author of a new book called Never Settle Sports Family and the American Soul, which I picked up this week, uh, flew through it, read about 50 to 75% of it uh, in in a couple of days. And it's just an incredible book. If you are a fan of sports, if you're a fan of storytelling, if you're a fan of uh, the search for meaning in life, you will connect to this book. And so I was really excited to sit down with Marty on Wednesday to talk about all that. And what I wanted to get at with Marty, and which we definitely successfully got at, was the humanity behind this game. This LSU-Alabama game is huge, and you'll hear me talk about it with Marty a little bit. You know, especially me, I tend to focus on the stats and the matchups and the football and the X's and O's, and I think there's a place for that, and I think that's all exciting and fun stuff to talk about. But what I wanted to get at with Marty was... Who are the people going into this game? What does this mean to their lives? What does this mean to their identities? What, what are the things that, you know, the, the stories behind the game that's about to be played? And what's the the historical kind of impact and, and, and the context of this game and what this game is going to mean when it's done? What, what's going to mean to experience this game on the field, on the sideline, on TV? How, how, how cool is this going to be? And Marty just absolutely nailed it. He got into all that. He, he also sat down with... Coach O and Jacoby Stevens and Joe Burrow and and Justin Jefferson uh, just before we talk. And so he had good insight on those interviews, and uh, it was just a really fun conversation. So I hope you enjoy that. It's going to get you fired up for the game. I know it will. I know you're already fired up for the game. I, I would avoid you. I, I would encourage you to avoid any brick walls in the vicinity after you listen to this because there's times where Marty gets fired up and you just want to run through a brick wall. So uh, I hope you enjoy that conversation. After that, we're going to hear from LSU defensive line coach Bill Johnson. I talked to Coach Johnson on Sunday 
uh, of the bye week after the Auburn game, before the Alabama game, got his take on his guys in the trenches. And I think those guys are going to be absolutely huge in this game. If you look at the last eight games where LSU struggled to beat Alabama, Coach O said it last year, uh, probably said it the year before, the biggest gap has been in the trenches. And I think this is the, the first year in a long time where LSU hasn't had just the quality that they need on the defensive line, but they have the depth. They have six guys, really, that they can go to and they can rotate. Six guys in, in that front three and have two fresh lines ready to go with no drop-off. So we hear about that from Coach Johnson after we hear from Marty Smith. So let's go ahead and throw to that conversation, and uh, I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed having it because it was such a blast and a treat to talk to Marty. So without further ado, here is Marty Smith of ESPN. All right, it's my pleasure to be joined today by Marty Smith of ESPN. Uh, Marty, thanks for your time today. I know you're you're busy. They're, they're running you around like crazy, uh, but I know you wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, it's a blessing of epic proportions to be running around like crazy. I, it's funny, I got to Baton Rouge on Monday morning, and, and we did a lot of programming, and then I got on a plane and flew to Orlando, and the reason that I flew to Orlando was because we have this fall – at every stop uh, on the SEC Nation tour, whatever campus we we visit, I arrange a speech with a group of young men, typically fraternities, okay, about my book, Never which, Settle, which is called Never Settle. Great book. Thank you. It came out uh, the first of August, and I wrote that book because I wanted to show a level of vulnerability that made other people kind of look at themselves introspectively not that I'm special in any way but I think it's pretty rare I think as men we're insecure in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and we're that that scares us and I just decided to put I didn't put all my warts out there but I put a lot of them and the response to it has been amazing and as I've addressed these fraternity groups and, and and young men I've seen that they're really they're really in it's hard as you know being around 18 to 21 year olds all the time to get them the hell out of their cell phone for 15 seconds is a miracle and so when you're giving them something that they're that interested in it's very fulfilling and anyway about orlando we have taken the proceeds from those book sales one of my producers is a guy named patrick abrahams and He's an unbelievably kind, giving man, and so are all of his brothers. He has three brothers, and they have a charity called Tomorrow's Team, and we partnered together to take those proceeds, and ultimately, when I flew to Orlando, we surprised a young man at the JA Academy in Orlando with a four-year scholarship to UCF. Wow. And we chatted with his mother before the event, and she had tears in her eyes because she thought we were giving him a $1,500 scholarship. And she was a single mother, overwhelmed that, that her son was doing that well, and she was so proud of him. So when we, when we announced that we were going to go ahead and pay for his school, she, I thought her knees were going to buckle and she was going to pass yeah, out. But I can imagine. That's what it's about. You yeah. know, we, kindness wins always. This world can be pretty mean, but kindness will always prevail. So I was I was reading your book this morning, just kind of getting ready for this, 
and all that comes through in your book. It's it's incredible. Uh, a couple of times you got me choked up talking about your kids and you know I'm a, I'm a, a father of two young kids and uh, and then talking about your wife and the support that she gives you in your career and I know how challenging that can be on a much smaller scale but anytime you you have to travel a lot for work the the family support it takes and one of the things that 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 I appreciate about you and your work so much is that you do tap into that humanity um, you use sports as a vehicle to tell bigger stories that connect us all and I think your book does a phenomenal job of that thank you and uh, and, and hearing that work that you're doing you know, outside of football and, and, uh, and furthering people's educations and, and giving them opportunities is, is awesome to hear. One of the things that I did want to talk to you about was the humanity of this game and, and why you're here this week. Um, it's LSU Alabama. It's number one versus number two. And we're talking X's and O's and defensive linemen and offensive linemen and nickelbacks and, and all this, this, this tactical stuff that is very important to talk about and fun to talk about. But there's another element to this game. And I wanted to get your perspective on that. And so I know you were sitting down with a bunch of players today and Coach O. And I want to start with Coach O because he sent out a tweet today uh, calling him an, an American treasure. He is. And, and I want to get your perspective on Coach O, who I think of all the amazing stuff that's happened to LSU this year, the numbers, the records, all this stuff, I think Coach O is an unsung hero. I mean, just being in this building when I am, uh, the way that he empowers everybody in this building – to do what they do best uh, has been phenomenal. I think it's one of the undercurrents of this this team and this program, their rise to where they are, is the man up top empowering everyone else beneath them. He embodies the culture. And one thing that we all appreciate as human beings, because it, it, quite frankly it's not something that you experience all the time, is authenticity. And so when you see it, it's so striking. When you engage within it, it's so dynamic and impactful because it's, it's unstoppable. Authenticity is unstoppable because authenticity is vulnerable. And his story is amazing. And, and if, you, if you learn his story about everything he's overcome and the mistakes he's made and the triumph over those mistakes, then you, you take this guy – and and it, it, it takes him from, man, this is a really endearing personality to, man, I really admire that. I do. I admire him a lot. And I say all the time, and I mean this, I was reminded of this this morning when I had the opportunity to sit down with Justin Jefferson and Jacoby Stevens and Joe Burrow, et cetera. You for, we forget so often because of what we get so lost in the minutia of X's and O's and wins and losses, that we forget that the most underreported portion of college athletics is the quality of the human beings mm -hmm. competing within it. Mm -hmm. They are great people. And I, I was blown away. I asked Jacoby Stevens about John D. Rockefeller. <laughs> I was floored. <laughs> Something and we've talked about on this show before. It, it was so cool. You, you had told me that I needed to broach that with him. And I said, hey, a, a little birdie told me that I should ask you about John D. Rockefeller. And he started giggling. He goes, you know, my mother, my mother implored me to understand money and how money, the, the power that is money and how it changes hands and the influence that it has. He said, well, who, who better to study than the richest man of all time? Yep. And 
Then he got into the depth of the why. The U.S. educational system would not be what it is without his influence financially. Mm -hmm. And you go, my God, this is a 20-year-old <laughs> young man who not only, not only has a full-time job, which is college football, it's more than a full-time job. Yep. They're also taking 12, 15 hours of class. They're also community servants. They're also the faces of this town. They're also national icons mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. That's a hell of a lot to manage. Yes, it is. And I feel like we should champion that more. And I try so hard to do that in my respective role because – uh, like a, a bit of a talent. Joe Burrow, let's go to Burrow. His story, you, we've heard this quote ad nauseum now. I came here one year ago. I had known about Joe when he was at Ohio State. And I was fascinated with him at Ohio State because I saw this moxie. I saw this toughness. I saw this complete indifference to outside pressure there. Yep. And he wasn't even playing. Yep. But I just could, I, I could see what he was doing in spring games. I had like every spring game he ever played at Ohio State. I covered it. And I was like, man, this guy's good. And he is a badass. Like, he's tough. <laughs> he just is Ohio. Yep. And, and, and you think about he learned to ride his bicycle on the field at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, because he grew up watching his brothers there. His father, of course, was Frank Solich's defensive coordinator for 100 years. And, and you take all of that and you go, wow, what, a, what an interesting person. And when I came down here to do the profile piece on him last year, he said that now famous quote, football is Joe Burrow. Yep. And he couldn't be more accurate. He, what Ohio kid comes to the bayou and embodies the culture here so perfectly? It's beautiful. So we spent last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday up in Athens, me and Matt Tornquist, one of our video guys here, up in Athens, Ohio, southeast Ohio, getting a, a taste of that. The Plains. Yeah, the Plains. And it was unbelievable because, one, the first of all, you couldn't get a single person to say a single bad word about Joe Burrow. I mean, not even, yeah, he goofed off in class one time or, yeah, he turned in a, a homework assignment late. I mean, you couldn't get a single person to say anything but great things about him. But what you touched on there, and, you know, we go to Gigi's Diner, which I think you spot, you, you talked about yep. and uh, talked to the owner there, and, and he was you know he was singing your praises and uh, <laughs> saying how you know how Joe was the hardest working kid that, that he knows, and the kids in Ohio look at him and they're from to, to quote Travis from Gigi's Nowheresville, USA, and they look at Joe Burrow and they say I can make it, you know I can I got a chance, and I think Joe is is the embodiment of of that, and it I think it connects with people here too. I think it connects with people everywhere. Um, he, to me, he's the embodiment of Never Settle, which the title of your book, there's a horn going off All there. Right. I, think, I, think that's the of, I think that's the end of the, the team <laughs> meetings. Um, but, but to me, he's the, the embodiment of, of Never Settle because he had the quote after the, the game the other day. I think they'd just beaten Florida. And he said to the whole team, and, and Joe's not a get up in front of the team and talk guy. He's a, you know, sit in his locker with his headphones on or, you know, a quiet, all right, let's go, guys. But he got up after the game and said, guys, let's not settle for good enough. Let's let's go for great, and to me, him and Coach O together, and it, it's it's up and down the line. I mean, it's reflected in everybody from Steve Ensminger, who's put his ego aside and allowed a guy like Joe Brady to come in and and have his fingerprints all over the offense. And I mean, Mickey Joseph to share the receivers room. I mean, up and down from from player to coach to the the very bottom of this program to the very top. Um, it's been phenomenal to see them set that aside and and come together as a team, which. 
You know, I think that, that that's what happens not everywhere, but with special teams. It's a team. The, the, one of the great attributes of a great leader is the willingness to delegate. Why? Because it shows self-confidence. And Coach O, uh, let's coach Ensminger, let's coach Aranda, and now Joe Brady. Look, I, I, you guys get paid to do this at the highest level. Go do it. And that, to me, is a sign of a great leader. And I'll I tell you what, I don't disagree with you. I think that that duo of Coach Orgeron and Joe Burrow as the faces of this program right now and the toughness and the all-football-all-the-time mantra permeates everyone else. I just – this morning I was interviewing both of them, and I asked Coach O when he'd ever been around a quarterback – like Joe and how Joe compares to the the great ones that he's been around and he said it's it's the intangibles he prepares for the game and he plays the game like a linebacker and that level of toughness permeates the entire locker room when you see your quarterback getting the hell beat out of him and he stands right back up and says come on give give me some more I want that I came here for that I came to LSU for that let's go everybody feeds off of that <laughs> Yes, they and, do. And, and, I mean, it's not every day when a middle linebacker is going to pat his quarterback on the butt. They always have their quarterbacks back. Mm -hmm. But there, there's this weird bond because of the way Joe plays the game. And he said something to me today. I said, because, again, I've known him since the Ohio State days. I know he's had that confidence. I've seen it. He, he, it's palpable with him. But there's no possible way that he ever could have fathomed he would have this type of offensive output. And he goes – I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I've prepared for this for 12 years. Yep. The work that I've put in was destined for this. I said, you can't say that. So many variables are involved in this. You have, the, for the first time ever, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this could, that they're on pace for the first time in the history of the school to have 2,000-yard receivers, right? Yep. Okay. That's correct. you got to have that. you got to have Joe Brady decide to drive up I-10 from New Orleans, yep. and you got to have Ensminger being selfless enough to go, okay, Mr. Smart, 29-year-old, let's open up this playbook. And Joe Bur Burrow walks into his first meeting with those two, and they hand him said playbook, and he goes, holy smokes, where did this play come from, and this play, and this play? <laughs> and they say, we're going to open up this offense, and we know you're capable of running it. So much had to happen. Yep. And he's already – I mean, it's an historic season. It's – it's remarkable. It reminds me of some of the conversations we had in Athens with high school coaches and shop teachers and PE teachers. And three or four times this, this quote came up, but it was, like you mentioned, about destiny. Uh, I think one of his, his uh, friend's father said it was a, a cosmic, genetic freak accident that Joe was able to get from where he started to where he was with the help of his high school teammates. And you're seeing that carry over into to college now. He was running this offense in sixth grade. Sure was. Seventh grade. And so I think when this was put in his lap, like you said in that meeting, he, he probably saw all the dots connect in that moment and say, yeah, this is what I've been doing since sixth grade, seventh grade. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for. Maybe I expected to be doing it in, in red and white instead of purple and gold. <laughs> but here's my opportunity. I'm a season. It's been really fun to watch him do that. It's been so fun. And I remember being there uh, watching him and Dwayne Haskins. I mean, look, it wasn't like it was an easy decision for Urban Meyer to go, Dwayne, you're the guy. Yeah. Like, it was a painful decision because they love 
Joe Burrow up there. Mm-hmm. Because of that toughness, Midwest, blue-collar yep. toughness. And, you know, he they when he decides to leave, of course, they pat him on the butt and say good luck. And he comes down here and he runs an antiquated offense, quite frankly. Uh, it, you know, that's been, it's been, that's been the thing. We've all heard it before. Oh, LSU's going to open it up this year. Never happened. That's exactly how we all reacted when we heard it this year. Sure, mm-hmm. they will. And then Texas happened. Third and 17. Four receivers running go routes. <laughs> Justin Jefferson. Avoid the rush. Mm-hmm. Throw it off balance. You're talking, I mean, Joe Burrow had his Heisman moment in week two. Yep. I can't – there's not enough superlatives for me. I've always loved the kid. Yep, it's been unbelievable to, to watch up close. It's it's the most confidence that I think people around here have had in a quarterback and in that offense. Jacoby Stevens said something to me today that was very telling. He said, the last couple of years we've told ourselves we could beat Alabama. This year we actually genuinely believe we can beat Alabama. And that's a – note. look, that is a major stride. And the main reason, that offense. What do you make of the, the, the hump, getting over the hump, the eight wins in a row for Alabama? There, there's certainly amongst LSU's fan base, I mean, that's in the back of their mind. Now, I think, I know in this football program, they don't really pay attention to that. They're very week to week, and Joe Burrow doesn't remember what he was doing in 2013 when LSU and Alabama were playing, so he's not too worried about that game. But I think from the outside looking in, there is a perception that there's a hump that LSU has to get over, a psychological hurdle to, to get over. What do you make of that? What, is, what does that storyline mean to you? I don't think it's psychological. I think it's schematic. And I think we've all seen the potency that is at their disposal. So I, too, feel very different. Now, look, man, Alabama's really good, and Alabama's overcome a lot. You know, with, with Tua's injury, we don't know to what degree he'll be healthy. He's going to play. We all know that. And he's going to perform. The thing about Alabama is the most important attribute on Saturday afternoon, tackle in space. Because we've all seen it with Henry Ruggs and with Jerry Judy and with Devontae Smith and with Jalen Waddle and all these guys. They can catch a three-yard pass and 77 yards later they're in the house. And they make guys miss. They're so shifty. It's going to be really imperative that, that LSU tackles in space. But they've also been this, you know, they, they at one point this year they were starting five freshmen on defense. They've been injured and whatnot. But they still have a great defensive front with Raekwon Davis and all those guys. Raekwon's a great player. So I, game of the century is apt. Uh, that is a fair description of what I'm expecting but I don't see a psychological hurdle. I personally, forgive my French, I don't think the LSU kids give a damn. No, you don't. heard what Kalevon Chason said Monday night when asked. He goes, man, look, no offense. I know that there's a lot on the line. It's just another game for me. I'm not from here. He's from Texas, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm from Texas, right man. Right Houston, yep. But there's a lot more at stake than just another game. You can say that all day long. Coach O said to us, look, is it – is it a big storyline for the fan base? Yes. Is it extra motivation for me? Yes. But we're not preaching that to our kids. We're preaching worry about tomorrow. What's today? Turnover Wednesday? Turnover Wednesday, yeah. Right. He's like, that's what I'm thinking about. Yep. 
he wanted to talk about the Tiger Bowl with this team. That's which is exactly the, right. The, yeah. the inter-squad scrimmage. Uh, I, I wanted to get one more thing from you, and then we'll get you out of here. From from, I'd like to get an outsider's perspective on on questions like this because you know I'm I work for LSU. I'm in it every day, and I, I get into the nitty gritty. And sometimes it's hard to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. But my mother-in-law, who doesn't care a thing about sports, uh, nor does my wife, uh, came over last night. She was picking up some food. And she said, hey, are you excited about this weekend? Just the most genuine question she could ask. She was like, this, this is going to be a special one, right? I mean, it's one versus two. How often does that happen? And it was cool to kind of look at it that way because it's, it's only the second time it's ever happened in the SEC. It's only, the, I think, the 24th time it's ever happened in the, in the regular season, one versus two in the, in the poll meeting like this in the regular season. And it kind of made me take a step back and say, man, like no matter what happens in this game, no matter what story I write or what I say on a podcast after the game – I'm going to be there for something really cool. Whatever happens, it's going to be cool. Do, do you do you still have those moments? I mean, you're you're in this every day. You're going to great games every week. Are you able to step back and kind of look at the big picture of what you're doing? Let's take this conversation full circle. That was one reason that the book was such an amazing time for me writing it. It was a six-month process to open myself up and think about those moments. Now, Please forgive me, all of you listening. I'm not trying. I hope this doesn't sound braggadocious. This is simply the the blessing for me that is having been at a lot of these. I was there on Alabama's sideline when Tua Tagovailoa threw the dagger to Devontae Smith to win the national title against Georgia. Hmm. I was there when Clemson when Deshaun Watson threw the pass to Hunter Renfro to beat Alabama to win the national title. I was standing on 18 at Augusta National this April when Tiger Woods won the Masters again. So, I mean, look, I could – again, I don't – it sounds like bragging I'll stop, but that – for somehow, somehow, I'll never get used to the fact that the Lord decided that should be my job. Thank you. I say thank you every night when I'm, when I'm sending my, my prayers up. But, yes, I can't wait until Saturday afternoon. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's personal for me because I care deeply about but I was told when I left NASCAR when I stopped covering NASCAR full-time when ESPN lost the broadcast rights and they moved me over to college football and then subsequently other sports I was told by a dear friend you will find that you stop cheering for teams and start cheering for people I have so many dear friends on both sides of this thing people I admire beyond description people who have been there for me when I was going through a tough time people who have taught me not only about sport but about life on both sides of this Mm -hmm. thing and that includes both coaches so I can't wait for this thing this thing's going to be such an unbelievable football game and spectacle, and the President of the United States is going to be there, and dignitaries are coming out of the woodwork. I think Shaq's coming. <laughs> so we get to do, do we get to be there. <laughs> I know, like, that's we what I'm get saying. to stand there on the field <laughs> yep. and watch this happen. Yep. Pinch what? me. Pinch me. Yeah, man, well, of course. Like, I, I'll never get used to that. Let me brag on you because that passion that, that you just tapped into definitely comes across not only in your work but in your book uh it was a phenomenal read thank you Uh, it comes across just just talking to you and i would highly encourage people to to read it because for me i'm always hesitant about reading sports books because i'm 
I'm in I'm in sports and you know I, sometimes I when I read I want to step away but it's not a sports book it's I mean a it, people book it's it's a it's a people book and sports is just a little sliver of it it's a it's a vehicle I I'll try to succinctly do this because I know we got to hop but the the basic premise of of the manuscript was we are all pieces of clay and every single relationship that we make acquaintance we make a guy you meet on an airplane certainly people with whom you have relationships of depth every rousing triumph every crushing failure all of those things pinch at that clay it might be a little piece of your shoulder but it might be a whole rib ultimately every one of those reshape the person you're going to be tomorrow and the people with that I've had the opportunity to sit across from, whether it is Nick Saban or whether it is Tiger Woods or whomever, it's also my beautiful wife of almost 20 years. It's my grandfather who was in George Patton's Third Army and fought in the Battle of the Bulge and learning his perspective of that and the hell through which they trudged to give us this United States hmm. of America. It's... My dad not being around when I was young. And as a result of him not being around, those Saturday mornings when he'd wake me up and say, boy, we're going over the mountain to watch Virginia Tech play football, were so unbelievably precious because I was in his aura and I got to feel his energy and feel his love and hope he felt mine. And all those things that are life. I just happen to use sports as a platform to share all of these things that are so relatable to so many of us. And I'm so blessed that it's become so much bigger than I, I'm floored. When you get letters in the mail that say, thank you so much for writing that that way because you saved my life. You just break down in tears. I'm, my, I don't even know. I'm, I'm so fortunate. Yeah, well, we're fortunate for getting to spend a few minutes with you today. Uh, it's been my pleasure. This is this is uh, pretty cool for me, just as someone who's admired your work for so long, and uh, it's it's been really fun. And uh, yeah, let's let's do it again uh, at some point in the future. I can't wait for Saturday. It's gonna be Thank awesome. You, me too. I'll close with this. I love this place. I love back to authenticity. It's so authentic here, from from again from Coach O down. And I love the fan base here. It's so real. It's so passionate. It's what sports should be. It's the identity. This, this football program is the identity of this region. I know you have the Saints and you have some pro teams whatnot, but LSU football is this region. And I love that. One last thing. I was standing outside of Death Valley last year before the Alabama game one year ago. It was game day morning, 5.50 a.m., pitch black outside, and a guy walks up to me. I had a 6.02 live shot on Sports Center. I see this silhouette coming at me, and it's a guy dressed like Darth Vader, and he had a <laughs> megaphone in one hand and a handle of Jack Daniels in the other. And he picks up that megaphone, and he goes, Good morning, Marty. Welcome to Death Valley. Want some Jack? God, I love this place. <laughs> did you? How did you answer the question? I said, uh, it's 6 o'clock in the morning and kickoff's at 7.30 tonight. I think I'm all right right now, brother. Wow. Yeah, I think we have to end on that one, so uh, I don't think we're going to top that. So, Marty, I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, happy to be spending a few moments with LSU defensive line coach 
Bill Johnson. Coach, you're, you're coming off a of bye week, but before that bye week, your guys had a really strong outing against Auburn, held them, I think, 110 yards below their season average uh, in rushing yards. As you look back on that film and, and get ready for this next game coming up, what did you see on tape that your guys did well in that game? Well, we went into that game with one goal, was not to let Auburn run the ball between the tackles, and I thought we accomplished that very well. Well, we gave up one explosive play. They, well, actually, we gave up two explosive runs all, all a night, which they had been averaging about nine a game. So uh, we eliminated the explosive run, and we made sure that they took the ball outside of the edge. Something that, that stood out to me the last few games with your defensive line is the depth that's developed there. It seems like you really have two lines that you can really lean on. How, how big has that been, especially when you know early in the season you had some injuries, you were able to develop some of that depth. You, had, you don't ever want to have injuries, but you were able to get some guys reps, and now it feels like you've got two really solid lines that you can use. Yeah, well, you know, we're we going to the game uh, right off now after uh, starting out with a little uh, thin up line with the, the injuries we had. We, we have a true two-man rotation, and it's really helped us. We ask these guys to play very hard. And uh, when they know that they don't have to play every snap of the game, they have the ability to go chase the ball and play with extra effort, and it's really helped us to uh, come together. And one of those spots, you have two seniors in Rashard Lawrence and Braden Fajoko, um, guys that, that just seem to provide so much in terms of not only their consistency but their leadership as well. How, how important have those two guys been in the room for you this well, year? Well, you know, everybody enjoys their senior year. They want to get the most out of their senior year, and those two guys have done a great job. They've really come on and gotten in good shape in the last two or three weeks, and, and being able to rotate each one of them and help each other, it's really uh, helped that position get a little stronger. A guy that Coach O seems to talk about quite a bit these days is Tyler Shelvin. Um, who really seems to have taken that next step this year and, and developed in the way that, that I think Coach O and, and everybody always wanted to see him to, to develop. What have you seen from him this year that he's kind of taken his game to the next level? Very talented young man. Young man, a very good athlete for a big kid. Uh, you know, the weather's gotten a little cooler, and it helps those big men. So I think that's helped a little bit also. But he is a very talented kid that can take on two blocks. He draws two. Uh, teams have to know where he's lining up at, and you can tell that they're, they're trying to concentrate on him now. He's really done a good job. He's had some good negative plays for us, and he draws uh, two blocks, and, and he actually gives us some good pass rush at times. The guy that comes in and rotates with him in that spot is Apu Aika, a true freshman who Coach O spoke so much about in the preseason. It seems like he's come in and, and played his, his role well behind Tyler. How have you seen him? kind of catch on on the fly as a freshman. He's been getting some good quality reps here, and, and uh, he's actually lost a little weight, you can tell, in the last uh, probably month or so, which is helping his uh, stamina a little bit. He, he's a very talented kid. I tell him, I said, he needs to keep losing 10 or 15 more pounds, but as he loses weights, you can really see the football player coming out in him. A guy who missed some time earlier this year but came back was Glenn Logan. Um, how important has it been to get him back in the fold? What does he give you? on that end that, that you know just makes him such a special player? Well, I'll tell you what he is. He's a great uh, technician, great fundamental player. He loves to compete. I think he's one of the better competitors we have. The tougher the game, the better he plays. Uh, he, he's a good leader. He's a good practice player, and uh, he loves playing the game. But the best thing I can tell you about Glenn is he is a very good fundamental player. Neil Farrell is a guy who I – I don't, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere this year. I think we knew he could make an impact, but it seems like he's really – taking a step up for you guys this year. How has he been so important to that defensive line for well, you? Well, I think once we started rotating and these kids know that they're going to play in the game, and, you know, it, it helps practice. And once you go out and practice and you and you work on your fundamentals, it, it you know, it usually comes out in the game. 
Uh, Neil's a very strong kid. He's got great instincts. He, he, he makes plays. He has the great ability to get off blocks. And, and uh, I think he's starting to feel it himself. So, you know, when kids have a little success, it just makes them want to come back for more each week. I know you work some with Caleb on Chase on who kind of moves between outside linebacker and uh, end spot for you. Um, just the athleticism he brings, the the impact that he makes. Does it is it one of those things where Calevon's impact doesn't always show up in the stat book? Well, I always talk about hidden production. You know, productions that may not always go down as a tackle or a sack or a tackle for a loss. But you know, he 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 is a very active player that causes a little bit of disruption up on the front. And they they got to know where Calevon lines up, and so. Uh, He's, he's had some good production on us, but I'll tell you, he's got a lot of plays where people don't realize that he's affecting the game. You and your situation coming in right before the season started, how fun has this been for you to, to get in on the college level and work with Coach O, who you used to coach? It, it wasn't something that I think was was planned out. You know, it was kind of you had to adjust on the fly, but how much fun is no, it? No, it wasn't planned out at all. It just so happened I was going to visit for a couple of days. It's been exciting to get back around these young kids. Uh, I, I enjoyed the 19 years I was in the National Football League. It was a great experience. It was fun. But, you know, life goes around in circles. I started my career for about 15 years in college football, and, and it sort of brought me back home, and I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed to be able to get out and meet people and see people. and uh, you doesn't, That doesn't happen much in, in, in the NFL. You're sort of stuck in those film rooms all day long. So it's been a breath of fresh air, and I'm really excited for it and appreciate the opportunity. Last one for you, Coach. You got a big game coming up this week with Alabama. You spent the last week kind of self-scouting. Um, what are the things that you want your guys to continue to improve on to focus on this week? Well, I think in the last two or three weeks, especially in the running game, our arrow's been going up. I think we got to continue that. You know, anytime that you can can eliminate explosive runs and control the uh, the running game, you have a chance to go do other things that, that what other teams may do. So I thought we had a great week of work. I thought the kids were very – very into the work that we did. We had the Tiger Bowl on Thursday. That was really fun. And I think we left here in a good frame of mind. And I, they'll be coming in tonight, and we'll get to work and get ready for the Crimson Tide. All right, Coach, thanks for your time. No problem. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you Tigers. I said, fight, fight, fight. Victory for. Victory.